time of worship as we live stream from the worship center here at South. Uh, this is not the best situation for us to uh, celebrate these great events in the calendar of the church. Today, Palm Sunday, next week, Easter. Uh, but the Lord knows, and we're still able to gather together and praise his holy name. And so I'm glad you're joining us. I do want you to know that whenever we can get together as a church and meeting this in this building to worship, it is going to be Easter. We're going to celebrate that Sunday just like it is April 12th, and we are going to rejoice being together as the people of God and, of course, rejoice in the great resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're looking forward to that. 
But today's service is going to be an exciting time of worship as well. And we have Lindsay Grostefan with us. Uh, Lindsay is a mom and a teacher. And we're trying to get different perspectives from the congregation on how they're dealing with this unique situation. And so we've asked Lindsay to come. And so why don't you tell us, first of all, Lindsay, a little bit about the mom piece of all of this and uh, then maybe reflect more on the on the teacher well as a mom and a teacher the two roles overlap a lot Um, so when I'm at home and a mom and then I'm also a teacher at home um, but then I find myself at school taking on that mom role a lot too not only because Avery's a student in my building but um, just that's my personality nurturing and and loving for um, all of my students. Um, But as far as uh, at home, being a mom, um, I'm finding that the first thing that I need to do with my kids is to address their emotional needs, um, kind of just look at how they're feeling. And those emotions have changed as circumstances have changed. They've gone from being excited for a three-week spring break, (laughs) how great is that, Um, to recently being a little worried Um, This week we've had boredom, and then also the sadness has now set in. And I think um, just stopping and reflecting on how they're feeling, if they're having maybe behaviors that you haven't seen um, normally, just to sit down and have that conversation with them, no, no matter how old or young they are, and just meeting their needs in terms of what are you feeling today? How are you feeling? Um... So the emotional needs is, um, is first and foremost, and, and that goes right along with their spiritual needs. Um, sure. uh, giving kids permission to feel whatever they're feeling mm-hmm. and, um, and acknowledging those feelings. And then also giving ourselves as parents permission to um, not know all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though we don't know the answers to their questions, telling them that we don't know, but what we do know is that God is in control. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the questions come in that maybe I can't answer or Adam, their dad, can't answer, the reassurance comes from our faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in Second Chronicles, the story of Jehoshaphat and how he he gets word that he's about to go into a battle that he's not prepared for. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of us could have been prepared for this situation. Um, but Jehoshaphat, he gathers his troops and he cries out to God. And at the end he says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Mm. And I find that that is reassuring to myself, but also right. to my kids. We don't know. We don't know how long this is going to last, but our eyes are on God. Mm. And uh, this is a shout-out to our Monday night Bible study that I'm in. Um, We actually started the Bible study from Max Lucado, Anxious for Nothing, Mm. Finding Calm in a Chaotic World. And um, the focus is, throughout the whole study, is rejoicing in the Lord always. Mm. Um, So from Philippians 4, just rejoicing in the Lord always, I say again, rejoice. Um, having an attitude of gratitude, um, being grateful for the things that we do have, for the situations that we do have, for the health that we have. Um, Gratitude can be in the form of a gratitude jar, writing them down each day. Um, I know I've taken a dry erase marker and written it on the the mirror in my kids' bathrooms, um, maybe on the windows in the kitchen. Um, And then around the meal table in the evening, we do... Uh, three things we're grateful for Mm. and it really allows us to fix our eyes on the things that we are grateful for the second is present your request to the Lord and pray Um, pray not only for the things that we're grateful for but then also pray for the needs of your family and and the essential workers that are still out there every day uh, battling for us Um, and then just also the needs of your own family and and the emotional and spiritual needs of our family. And then finally, um, just being able to choose what we think about. The the final, one of the final things that Max Lucado talks about in his study is um, there's not a whole lot that we have control over right now, but we can control the things that we think about. Mm 
So fixing our eyes on things above, in Philippians 4, he also talks about uh, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, and whatever is lovely, among other things, um, we want to fix our eyes on those things. And Joel and Malia, um, the songs that they're singing today are, are perfect for that, just fixing our eyes on Christ. So. Right, that is excellent. I appreciate how you uh, talked about, at first, our response was almost like, uh, this is an adventure, this right. is new. And uh, then we go through those stages, don't we, until we're at the place where, indeed, fear sets in and we don't know about the future. But I love that right. verse that you quoted. You know, our eyes are on him, right. and he's in complete control. Yeah. Now, you do a lot with church ministry here as yep. well. So yep. uh, that's a missing component part to some degree. Um, what kind of fills in the gaps for you? Um, you know, we spend a lot of time listening to our worship music at home. Um, there's a lot of singing and dancing, and, and um, you know, Addison is a whiz on the piano, and Avery, they all have beautiful voices. Lucas will deny it, but he, he does. Um, <laughs> hi, guys. I love you. <laughs> um, but so we spend a lot of time just... Um, Worshiping through the music we have our at our fingertips, whether that be through our Alexa or yeah, you know yeah. our um, the children playing their instruments and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely it's definitely a void because yeah, you right. know as as great as our family time is, we still long for that social interaction. You know, mm. we were created to. Um, belong mm. and not only to belong within our family but belong within our church family as well so right. there's yeah. definitely an aspect that we're missing well said and so here we are in a situation in which we uh, really wish things would change and we pray for things to change especially for people who whose health is is very precarious uh, we're praying that God will send healing and yet in the midst of this dark time there's a way for us to rejoice to be grateful, as Lindsay said, to look to the Lord and find our strength in Him and to grow spiritually. I'm sure this is one of the reasons the Lord is allowing us to go through all of this. So, good words. Appreciate you sharing that with us. And uh, I think of the real heroes of the health workers on the front line who are working so... Uh, they're working with all of their strength, uh, they're patient, they're diligent, and uh, they're doing all of that to save lives. So we need to be praying for them. And with that, Pastor Tim is going to lead us in reading the Word of God and prayer. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus! Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody, out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Lord, as David wrote in Psalm 27, we echo his words today. You are our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? You are the stronghold of our life. Of whom shall we be afraid? And so we have one thing to ask of you, Lord. Only one thing do we seek. That we may dwell in your house 
all the days of our life to gaze on your beauty, to seek you in your temple. For we know that in the day of trouble, you will keep us safe in your dwelling. You will hide us in the shelter of your sacred tent. You will set us high upon a rock. Hear our voice when we call, Lord. Be merciful to us and answer us. Our heart says of you, seek your face. Your face, Lord, we will seek. And so we remain confident of this. We will see the goodness of you in the land of the living. So we say to ourselves, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Lord, in this time of the COVID-19 pandemic, it seems sometimes like all we are doing is waiting. We are waiting this out. We are trying to flatten the curve. We are trying to get to the other side. In our waiting, Lord, bring us back to you. Whatever lessons you have for us to learn through this, Lord, may we learn those lessons. Lord, I pray for a great revival in our city, in our state, in our country, and in our world. In this time of uncertainty, may people look to you, the only one who knows all things. In this time of our powerlessness, may we look to you, the only God who is all-powerful. In the time of our lack of understanding, may we look to you, our all-knowing and all-wise God, who is also all-merciful and all-loving, completely good and very generous to us. That generosity was most demonstrated when you sent your Son to die for us. And if you did that for us, why would we ever think that you would hold back everything that is good for us? And so we pray that you take this and you do like you always do with evil and turn it against itself and use it for your glory and our good. Lord, we pray for those people today who are suffering with the COVID-19 virus, some people in our church family, certainly people in the city and state and country and world. Lord, we pray that you will bring healing to them. Lord, we pray for our medical personnel. We think especially of our own Kelly Sites in Italy now as she is on the front lines there. And we're so thankful to hear the reports from her of lives being saved and souls being won to Jesus. Lord, we pray for the medical personnel who are on the front lines. I think especially of the many from our church family, but all those around the world who are sacrificing their own safety to save the rest of us. I pray for protection for them and comfort for the families of those who have already lost loved ones. Lord, we pray for our government leaders, President Trump, Vice President Pence, their advisors, our governor, Governor Whitmer, our congressmen and women, our senators, our representatives. Lord, our local leaders here in Lansing, Mayor Andy Shore and in Delta Township and each one of our locations here in the greater Lansing area. Give them wisdom, discernment, direction, Lord, as they set the table for how we are to live our lives. And may we follow their direction. Lord, we think of our missionaries who are overseas, and some of them are in conditions that are much worse than what we have here in the United States. And we pray for you to give them many opportunities through this to share the gospel. And we pray for you to keep them safe. We pray for our local businesses and and all uh, the employees, Lord, especially many who have been laid off through this. Lord, I pray that you would provide for them. Lord, I pray that they would be able to navigate the, uh, the, the paperwork for applying for different benefits and loans. And Lord, may we as a community watch out for one another and care for one another in this time. 
We ask all these things in the name of the one who died for us so that we can freely ask for all things. Jesus. Amen. That's what we do on Palm Sunday. We shout, Lord, save us. If you could take a picture of that very first Palm Sunday, 
I think you would be surprised by some of the faces that you would see in that crowd. There would be some well-known celebrities, at least for those who read the Bible, who were following Jesus at this point. You know, it's interesting, whenever there is a popular event like a royal wedding or, or the Super Bowl, the media like to show those famous people who have come to attend that important event. And so when we think about the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ, I think it's interesting to think about some of the important people who are actually in the event, joining the crowds with Jesus Christ. Now, it is interesting that the triumphal entry of Christ into the city of Jerusalem is mentioned in all four Gospels. It's as though that this particular earthly scene in the life of Jesus is vitally important and should be studied, given special attention. And we have to also remember that at this point in time, Jesus was extremely popular. When he started in the north at Caesarea Philippi, and Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and they came down from the mountain, Mark tells us that the crowd, crowds of disciples were waiting for them to come down from the mountain. Luke says large crowds were traveling with Jesus. As Jesus walks on the way to Jerusalem, knowing that he's going to die there for the sins of the world, the crowds gather. Luke adds, from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and even from the Mediterranean coast, from Tyre and Sidon, which is now Lebanon, people were flocking to follow Jesus. And Mark chapter 10 tells us the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, that is on the east side of the Jordan, again, crowds gathered in mass to follow Christ. There seems to be this increasing momentum, this gaining of critical mass as Jesus plods along, as he teaches along the way, and as he makes his way to the cross. These are common people, people like you and me, but people who have been touched by extraordinary grace. So this morning, I want us to focus on three of those faces in the crowd. You probably know them. And all of these stories connect with the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. The first portion of Scripture I want us to look at is Luke chapter 19. The Gospel of Luke chapter 19. And we read in verse 1 that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. So that gives us a whole lot of background about this situation. Again, crowds coming into the city. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector, which means he was despised. He was hated by the Jewish people. He was like a traitor. But this guy was the chief tax collector, and that's why it says he was wealthy. Most tax collectors did pretty well, but the chief tax collector was filthy rich. And I mean filthy because he gained his money in unethical ways. But you never know a person's heart, do you? You might see them from the outside, but you don't know what's ticking on the inside. And we read in verse 3, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. There was a hunger or desire in his heart. Maybe he was dissatisfied with all of the money that he had and the life that he was living. Uh, maybe he uh, had had it with the lack of social interaction. But the Bible tells us that he wanted to see Jesus. There was a hunger and desire in his heart. But there were two obstacles in the way. Zacchaeus was vertically challenged. He, he was a short guy. And he couldn't look over the crowd. But that's not the only problem with the crowd. The crowd was uncooperative. They didn't want this little guy weaseling his way up to the front. And I'm sure they elbowed him as though they were in an NBA game under the paint and under the hoop. I'm sure they did all they could to block him out and not let him in. And so he did something rather undignified. But it showed his great desire and passion he ran ahead, got into a tree, and knew Jesus and the crowd would be coming that way 
down Main Street. And we don't know exactly what he was expecting, except he just wanted to see Jesus. And the Bible tells us in verse 5 that when Jesus reached the spot where Zach was up in the tree, he stopped. And he looked up, and he spoke personally to Zacchaeus. The man everyone hated, the one no one was concerned about. Zacchaeus could say, no one cared for my soul, but Jesus cares. And he stops and he says, Zacchaeus, which must have shocked the crowd, and Zacchaeus as well. I'm surprised he didn't fall from the tree. Jesus said, I must go to your house immediately and have dinner. Zac, guess who's coming to dinner? And the Bible simply tells us in verse 6 that he got down out of the tree immediately and welcomed him gladly. Apparently, we didn't know what was in his heart. He was excited to talk with Jesus and see him personally. His response was one of a warm welcome. But verse 7 says all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be a guest with a sinner. Doesn't this rabbi Jesus know where he's going? Doesn't he know what he's doing? And I say to you, he knows exactly what he's doing. Do you know what he's doing? He's going to tell us later on in this text, but Jesus, his ways are not our ways. And while we often hate people, he cares for them. People are dear to his heart. So in verse 8, the Bible tells us at the dinner, Zacchaeus stood up and he said, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. And now we realize we didn't know what was in his heart, for Zac has been changed, apparently changed by faith. Now he's filled with generosity. How many of you would give half of your possessions to feed the poor? And he's also filled by remorse. I've cheated people out of many things, and so I'm going to pay back four times. Now, the law required only 20%. Zacchaeus was going to pay back 400%, and that's real repentance, the change of heart. Matthew 3 and verse 8 says, we should produce the fruit that's in keeping with repentance. Let your activity prove your sincerity. And that's exactly what Zacchaeus did. His heart was changed. And then Jesus said to him today, this is verse 9, salvation has come to your house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Maybe everyone despised him. Maybe you loathe him, but I love him, Jesus says. He's a creature of God. I made him, and he's also a son of Abraham, not just because he comes from the Jewish clan, but because of faith. You are a son of Abraham when by faith you believe in Christ. And now we see the real reason for him coming Verse 10 says, For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And that's you. And that's me. Christ has come to save us, to forgive us, and to give us life. It's interesting when you go on down to verse 11, they're still at Zach's house when we read these words. While they were listening to this, Jesus sharing a parable. He went on to tell them not only a parable because it was near Jerusalem, but also to acknowledge to them that people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once, and that wasn't going to happen. Now, right after this story, if you go down a little further in chapter 19, you see that Jesus is going from Jericho up that steep climb to Jerusalem, what, about 18 miles or so, and then when he gets to Jerusalem, there's the donkey 
for him to ride into, showing his humility. And notice verse 37. This is Luke 19, 37. When they came near to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. What miracles? Well, how about this one? The miracle of a rich man being willing to give up his riches. Oh, I don't know for sure, but it seems very, very likely that Zacchaeus was in the crowd shouting, Hosanna. There's a second person that I want you to see who is in the crowd, and this comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Now, they're still in Jericho, but now they're leaving the city. So Jesus has already been at Zach's house. Others have joined the group including, I'm sure, Zacchaeus. And now Mark 10, 47 says, they came to Jericho, Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, and as they were leaving the city, on the outskirts was a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. And he was sitting along the roadside begging. If Zacchaeus was despised, then Bart is ignored, neglected, overlooked. He's blind, and he's begging, and he's alone. You see, it's not just the rich people who feel lonely when they realize that their riches don't give them satisfaction. It's the poor as well who are looking for something more significant in life. Now, verse 47 says, When he heard that Jesus was coming, he began to shout. You know, there was something wrong with his eyes, but there was nothing wrong with his ears nor his voice. He heard Jesus was coming. He heard it was Jesus of Nazareth. And he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He called to Jesus. That's a very theological statement. Son of David. He was called the Son of Man in Luke. That's a title Jesus often used for himself. But the title Son of David is a theological term used in the Old Testament to refer to the Messiah, the king that would come and deliver Israel. And here is this beggar, while he may not have much in this world, he had the understanding that Jesus was the Son of David, and he began to call out. Now the people rebuked him. They told him, be quiet. He doesn't have time for you. But I love the pluck of this guy. He began to shout all the more. He began to yell, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now he not only recognizes who Jesus is, but he recognizes what he needs. Have mercy on me. I think there's a physical component to that for, for Bart, as well as a spiritual component. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. <laughs> Jesus stopped at the spot for Zacchaeus, and he stopped at the call of Bartimaeus because Jesus is concerned for needy people. Call him, Jesus said. And the crowd said to the blind man, cheer up, he's calling you. And so throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet. He came to Jesus. Verse 51, Jesus asking the question, what do you want me to do for you? That's an interesting question. If Jesus could ask you right now, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say? Get rid of the virus? Bring things back to normal? Not bad. Heal my loved one who has a horrible disease? Good request. But what about your own soul? This man simply said to Jesus, Rabbi, I want to see. Again, I think there's a physical component in that, obviously, but there's a spiritual component to it. He wants to be able to perceive the truth and embrace Messiah, the Savior. And so Jesus says to him, your faith has healed you. Zacchaeus, he was healed, actually, because he had the faith, just like Abraham. 
And now Bartimaeus is healed because he puts his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Immediately he received his sight. And the Bible says in verse 52, he followed Jesus along the road. Now I guarantee you that one of the faces in the crowd on the day when Jesus entered the city in triumph was this blind man who now could see. Because when your heart is touched by God's grace, you want to follow Jesus. He joined that number who, along the road, with the crowd of disciples, joyfully praised God with loud voices for all the miracles that had taken place. What miracles? A blind man now can see. But there's one final face that I want us to see, and we have to go to John chapter 12 for this one. This is six days before the Passover, so we're, we're just before the triumphal entry. And all of these stories are connected, either just before or right after the triumphal entry. We read in John 12, it was before the Passover, and Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So here's our third face in the crowd, Lazarus. By the way, during Holy Week, Jesus went out every night from the city of Jerusalem and spent the night, crossed over the Mount of Olives and spent the night in Bethany. And my best guess is this is exactly where he was, at the home of his dear friends, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Now, Lazarus had already been raised from the dead. Verse 2 says, a dinner was being given in Jesus' honor. Obviously, Lazarus was alive. Martha was serving what else would you expect? And Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with Jesus. <laughs> I just would love to be a fly on the wall to listen to that dinner conversation. Hey, Lazarus, what is it like being alive? What did you do when you were dead? Tell us. He was something of a celebrity. But then Mary upstaged the dinner a little bit. Verse 3, Mary took a pint of pure nard, very expensive perfume, poured it on the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with a perfume. And one of the disciples, Jesus Iscariot, who later betrayed Jesus, criticized her. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Of course, he wasn't concerned about the poor. He was the treasurer, and he was stealing money from the common bank that they were using to help the poor. This is so typical. Martha is serving, Mary is anointing, and Judas is objecting. If Zac Zac was despised, Zacchaeus was despised and hated by people, Bartimaeus was ignored by people, but Lazarus was beloved, a personal friend of Jesus. And so he, here he is with the Lord Jesus. Now you jump down to verse 9, and this is very interesting. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there in their home at Bethany, and they came, not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. This guy is now a main attraction. People are coming from everywhere to see that the, the guy that was dead is now alive. It was the talk of the town throughout the city. Have you seen the dead guy? Talk about a demonstration of the power of Jesus Christ. This miracle could not be doubted. So, verse 10 says, the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus, just like they made plans to kill Jesus. Now Lazarus is on the hit list. Take him out, they said. They wanted to get rid of Jesus, and they wanted to get rid of Lazarus because the last part of verse 11 says, many Jews were going over to Jesus. That means they were believing on him. They were leaving the old ways, and they were going for the new wine. They were leaving the, the laws of the Pharisees, not the laws of God, but all the rules and the hypocrisy that was added by the religious leaders. And now they were coming over to Jesus who preached grace. The one who had the power to raise the dead back to life again. And then when you come to verse 12, you've got the triumphal entry. So my best guess is 
I think it's highly probable that Lazarus joined the crowd and was shouting, Hosanna. In fact, when you get down to verse 17, it says, Now the crowd that was with Jesus, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. So those people made up the crowd that was rejoicing. Many people, because they heard that Jesus had given this miraculous sign of raising someone from the dead, and it is a sign. What he did for Lazarus, he can do for us. He will raise us from the dead, every person, but he'll raise those who believe unto life and raise those who don't believe unto judgment. Verse 19 said, the Pharisees said to one another, uh, one, said to one another this is getting us nowhere. The whole world is going after him. And so I think I see Zach and Bart and Laz, <laughs> three faces in the crowd on that day, Palm Sunday so long ago, following Jesus, putting their cloaks on the road, raving, uh, waving the palm fronds, shouting Hosanna, praise God. Because when your heart has been touched by grace and healed by the Savior, you want to follow him. Think about it. The wealthy man who was lost is now found. The blind man, Bart, he was blind, but now he can see. And the dead man, Lazarus, he was dead, but now he's alive. And that's what we celebrate during this wonderful Easter season, that Jesus is the Son of Man, that Jesus is the Son of David, that Jesus is the Son of God, come to die in our place so we could be forgiven and to not touch needy people, whatever your need is, and these needs cross the gamut, to give hungry hearts who by faith turn to him life and purpose and joy and when your heart is touched by this wonderful grace of God you want to follow Jesus in your life I hope that's true of you let's pray Heavenly Father we look to you as the source of life the one who has the power to give sight to the blind man and life to the dead man and purpose to the hated man you are the one who comes to save all humanity because you're concerned all we like sheep have gone astray we've turned every one to his own way but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all and on Palm Sunday we celebrate the coming of the king who someday will bring his kingdom to earth that's what we pray for your kingdom come your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. But the time hasn't come yet for that. No, the time is for you to speak to people like Zacchaeus and Bartimaeus and Lazarus and so many others, common people, needy people, and touch them by your saving power and grace. Do so right now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the midst of COVID-19, as we have to practice social distancing, so nice to be reminded by Pastor Don from the Word of how near Jesus is and how much he cares for us. We want you to know that we care for you as well. The pastors and ministry leaders here at South are praying for you even as we are praying for our city and our state, our country, and our world. If you would like us to pray specifically for something that is on your heart, please go to our website. On the front page, there is a place where you can click and enter prayer requests. And, and please know that as those prayer re requests come in, we are praying for you. We also want to reach out and help those who aren't able to leave their homes at this time through Project Groceries. 
several people in our church have signed up and are willing to go to the store and get for you what you need. If this is something that could help you, please don't hesitate to go to our website and click that link or, or call the church office and we can add you to our, our list. We aren't able to give you a bulletin as you come to our service this morning, but there is an online bulletin available for you that we can email. Once again, please go to our website or call our office and you can be added to that email bulletin that comes to you. And then we have been blessed as Don, Pastor Don has started his daily devotional, Loving Truth. Please check these out. You can look at the past ones if you haven't seen them. And they are uploaded every day, Monday through Friday. As Pastor Don shares with us from the ministry of the Word. And then this Friday, we aren't able to come together for Good Friday in person, but we will be gathering online just like we are here this morning. And we are going to do a special communion service. Please prepare your own bread and cup. And if you want to know more about this, early this week we will be posting information on our website to help you prepare for this special communion service. Many of our ABCs and growth groups are continuing through Zoom or other media platforms. Please contact your ABC or growth group leader and they can tell you how you can best connect with them. Or if you aren't a part of an ABC or a growth group and you would like to, please contact Pastor Keith and he can help assist you to choose the right one. And then every Sunday night at 6 p.m., we are live streaming our service from here as well. So we invite you to come back tonight at 6 o'clock and hear as Pastor Doug opens the word to us. Let me leave you with the words of Paul found in Romans 15 and verse 13 for our benediction this morning. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs>